We are live. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are calling in from. This is Stock Talk episode 25, a quarter of the way to 100. Or myself, Jake, and Daniel will talk about stocks, interact with the chat. Today, we are going to be talking about Constellation Software, TNT stock. We are also going to be talking lightly about the Hindenburg uh, report out on Block, and as always, interacting with the chat. Daniel, how are you doing? It looks like it's nighttime over there in Asia. I'm doing pretty good. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. It is definitely nighttime. It is 9 p.m. And uh, we're on a small island off of Bali. But technically, I guess we're still in Bali. So yeah, man, it's warm. Yeah, I mean, shout out to you for making it to these streams. I cannot imagine traveling all day in the heat and still having the energy to make it to the stream. So I think you should definitely be given a gold star. And it is 100% understandable if we see a yawn or two. Uh, today's stream might be a little on the short side, but we're going to get through as much content as we can. And yeah, we'll, give a, we'll give a little bit of a disclaimer there. I've been in the sun all day, so and it's been warm, so I might be a little bit more tired than usual. Well, I have good news for you, Daniel. I am planning on kicking off this first chat here. Do you remember when we were asked about Constellation Software maybe about 10 streams ago? Yeah, and I'm surprised you're looking into this one because like, this is a Canadian company, and I think that it trades on the OTC in the U.S., so I'm interested that you're looking into it. Yeah, uh, so there's two reasons why I started looking into this stock, or actually a few. One is the software stock. As most of you know, that's what my background is. It's where my expertise is in. We also had someone ask this on the stream. So what I remember, Daniel, when we were asked about this is we were gawking at this company's financial. Like, holy crap, this company beats the spy every year. Their revenue seems to be relatively soaring. Uh, they, they've topped out a little bit the past year or two. And one of the podcasts I listened to talked about this stock in depth. Uh, it was an hour-long, full-depth research on this stock. And it really just opened my eyes more to like what the business does. And at a base level, it's just a really interesting company that I think you'd actually just enjoy looking into. Um, and yeah, I own shares. You own shares. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I, already, I already own shares of this end of their spinoff, Topicus. Um, I own both. And uh, yeah, Constellation Software is a great company. They're basically, the way I explain them is they're like a Berkshire Hathaway of the software industry. Amazing. Well, you can definitely be fact-checking me here then, but I did, my laptop's been uh, acting up the last few days. I definitely did a little bit over an hour of research into them. So let's see. My, my overall conclusion was that I liked the business and I thought that the valuation today was on the higher end, however, very high quality business. So yeah, let's just hop right into the notes here. I think Everyone needs to first understand what this company is. And so this company acquires other vertical, uh, vertical marketing software companies that generate at least 5 million in revenue, hopefully a million in net income. They're basically looking for smaller companies. They buy them, they then help them grow and they take the cash flows of those companies to then go and do more acquisitions. So this is definitely one of those businesses where you really want to trust the management. It seems like you've looked into some of the acquisitions slash spinoffs, Daniel, as you said, with Topicus. Uh, and just one more note there from the perspective of if you're a company being acquired, they're very clear on the types of businesses you're looking for. So as an investor looking at this company, they really outline what their strategy is for growing and managing. Anything to add there, Daniel, before we hop into financials? Um, the only thing I would add is that I also agree it's it's on the more expensive end. Recently, oh, yeah, we're Recently, the stock got down to about 1,800 Canadian, and uh, I was nibbling some shares down there. I really liked it below 2,000 Canadian, 
but yeah it's like back at all-time highs and i this is such a crazy stock because it goes to all-time highs and it rallies and everything while there's like all this panic and fear in the market overall like constellation software is consistently just like yeah whatever i don't care what's going on in the market like it just continues going higher yep and one thing i like to do here is it's like how is this stock compared to the spy you cannot find one year where this stock did not beat the spy returns and Daniel, one of the reasons why I think it's a safe haven stock, and we've seen this behavior before, when there's uncertainty in the market, investors flock to things that they deem safe. And of course, the next question is, well, what is safety? It's subjective. What I think safety is, is an almost 100% growth margin and revenue that does not stop going up. Like, I'm yep. not even sure if you can find, maybe there's one back here, but when you zoom out, the growth to their top line, I, I know you obviously have to look at profitability as well. But this company and management has proven consistently that they can buy and acquire businesses and grow them over time. So we could look at the last financial crisis. I don't even see anything. So people might be looking back at turbulent times and saying, well, this stock has performed well. So, yeah. So what they're what the main concern for investors is um, as companies grow, it becomes harder for them to grow exponentially. So one of the main concerns was that Constellation software is going to get to a point where it's not going to be going to be able to grow at like 15% a year anymore. So what they're doing now is they're spinning off a bunch of different parts of the business. Like Topicus was spun off. They're um, over in Europe mostly. They're, the, they're basically the exact same business, just smaller and over in Europe. And then they actually just spun off another business called the Lumen Group, which just started trading on the market on Friday, I think. And that one is focused on media companies. So it's Constellation Software's media part of the business. They spun that off. And now they're giving investors like different choices of the area of the business that they want to buy into. Because if they spin off these businesses, then it's basically a small Constellation Software that they believe can, can, sorry, can compound and to grow at faster growth rates. So they're like giving investors the optionality there again. Yeah, and more generally towards investors, I found this to be one of the most investor-friendly uh, investor relations sites I've ever been on, including their financial reports. So Daniel, I, I know you've been through them because you invest in this company, but the level of granularity they go through to break down not only their financials, but as you were saying, the shareholder options of when they're spinning off businesses or things like that, really just wanting the investor to be protected and have their best interests in mind. Yeah, I think that if you want... If you want to do even just like a research, I don't know, just like go do your own research on a company that I think is incredible for protecting shareholders, it is Constellation Software. I think they're probably, if they're not the best, they're one of the best companies in the market that I've ever seen that's focused on just the shareholder, protecting their value and growing value over time. Awesome. Well, you you teed me up for a great uh, finale on this chat. I'm going to take a minute or two just to run through some of their financials and Obviously, leave it to you for closing comments, Daniel. So what we're looking at here is Constellation Software and the Stock Unlock Freeform tool. You can see that their free cash flow since 2009 has a compound annual growth rate of 25%. For those who aren't aware, that is an incredibly high compounded annual growth rate for over a decade of operating, especially when you are in the tens of not hundreds of millions of free cash flow. You could also track what we were saying before. If you want to price the stock based on a price to free cash flow basis, you can see on the blue line there that it is trading at all time highs. However, great businesses demand a higher premium. So that's somewhat expected, but agree with you, Daniel, in terms of looking at entry points for the stock, not financial advice, but definitely seems to be on the higher end right now. Yeah. And to complete the thoughts that we were saying before, I'm not going to 
run through these, but to give you the high level as an investor, speaking for both of us here, Daniel, you go through the report, you ask yourself questions, you know, why is there 177 mil of amortization coming down from intangibles? You know, why are the expenses going up 43%? And I found that every single question I had in this report, they broke it down in ways that they weren't required to, but that left me with no open question. So like as an investor looking into this business, I love when management breaks down values as clearly. So you can see their revenue breakdown. Uh, they do it from licenses, professional services, hardware, and maintenance. So you can look at each different segment. They show this as percent change. And they did another one of these graphs. I did not screenshot for the foreign currency exchange headwinds. You can go down even farther. So one thing I thought was interesting is as their revenue went up, their expenses have been going up. I was like, wow, you know, 925 is a lot of expenses for staff. Why did that go up 37% year over year? Well, they tell you, they break down the 925 here, line by line by line. And for every line here, there's paragraphs of management notes. Not enough time to go through them on this stream, of course. But just to end uh, that little rant on the financials, very impressed by their reporting. Definitely a little bit on the expensive side right now, in my opinion. But the business looks incredible. And if you trust management and you believe they're going to continue to execute and make great acquisitions, you know, I kind of agree with the sentiment that this seems like a safer stock uh, relative, you know, to everything going out uh, on the market right now. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. Cool. It's, uh, it's funny because there's stories of the CEO of Constellation Software, like flying coach on the plane and being like, well, I'm not going to fly first class to meetings and whatnot because it's wasting shareholder money. He doesn't do that anymore. But like when the company was younger, he was doing that kind of stuff. And he also... If you go and take a look at Constellation Software shares outstanding over time, I believe they don't grow and they don't decline either. So one thing that's weird about the CEO of Constellation Software is he actually doesn't believe in share buybacks. He thinks they're a waste of money altogether. Yeah, that's a hot topic lately. I mean, Warren Buffett has been firing uh, at government officials kind of in a little back and forth about, you know, they're debating having a tax on share buybacks. What do you think of share buybacks, Daniel? Good thing, bad thing, neutral, depends. I think they're good if they're done right. But what's an yeah. example of doing share buybacks? Wrong? Doing share buybacks wrong is if your stock is heavily overvalued and you're deploying all of your cash into share buybacks at a very low yield. I'd also so, add to that too, maybe taking out like that. Yeah. Buyback shares. <laughs> yeah. So the way, the way I would look at a share buyback, if I were the CEO of a company is like, if, if you can get an ROIC on your cash of 15%, let's say. Ooh, you, uh, you cut out there a little bit, Daniel. I'm not sure if you can still hear me. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Just run. Just run that back. We can hear you now. Daniel's Wi-Fi in Asia right now is questionable. So if we lose him, we'll try to get him back. But no promises. We can hear you. Okay. Now. So if I were the CEO of a company like Constellation Software, basically what I would think is, if I can invest my cash at fifteen percent return ROIC, fifteen percent ROIC, and the stock is trading for a free cash flow yield of like three percent, five percent then you're actually, you're using your cash better if you're investing it into growth of the business and not buying bag shares. And a lot of companies will buy bag shares at even below a 3% free cash flow yield. So they're actually only getting like a 3% yield on their money, which is, you know, you can probably invest your money better than buying bag shares in most cases. So the stock for me has got to be like quite cheap for the management to be like, okay, let's buy back some shares. So it's just interesting because Constellation Software CEO basically said that he does not think buybacks blanket statement reasoning more, but I thought that was kind of interesting because let's say Constellation Software falls to $500 a share tomorrow. Like, would he still think that? I don't know. Yeah. 
I, I heard most of that. I'm going to ask the chat how your video quality is doing. Uh, uh, yes, but summary there, uh, share Vivax can be a good thing, but it's not an end all by any means. Like you can run a great business yep. and not do share buybacks. You can perform them well or poorly. Yeah, th thanks for that. I think a good transition topic here, Daniel, I know that there's been a lot of talk with some more Canadian stocks that we're going to dive into. There was one really quick story that's worth a very quick share. So our our friends at Hindenburg Research, this is the short selling firm that uh, took down Nikola Tesla. This is also the short selling firm that tanked around $150 billion of market cap from the uh, Indian Adani family and all those companies. So this firm is definitely, you know, they definitely have a name for themselves. All their reports aren't guaranteed to be correct. This, they obviously want the stock to go down because they put out a short position and put out these reports. However, Block is a very, very well-known company. Main reason why they are Cash App and Jack Dorsey, the infamous business founder, is head of this company as well. Of course, you know him from running Twitter, who is uh, no longer the Twitter CEO. There is controversy at Twitter of censorship and how he ran that company. And now it seems that there is a lot of turmoil here. Basically, what Hindenburg claimed is that this is a massive fraud. 40 to 75% of their users are fake and that this company is basically a shadow criminal organization, uh, which is the term I just made up. That was basically what they were saying here. It's a massive report. Daniel, yeah. any thoughts or opinions on this? Or like, could you just not care less and you're just going to keep looking at better businesses? I mean, I haven't taken a look at this report, so I have no idea what it says or what the accusations are, but I don't love Locke. I remember I've been asked about them a lot on my main channel, and every time I look into them, I'm just like, I don't see a lot to love. Like, I don't I don't believe they actually generate a ton of money. And what was I going to say? The accusations from what you just said sound a lot like what happened to Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo employees were creating basically fake accounts or whatever it was and trying to make it look like they had a lot more people banking with them than they actually did. And uh, they ended up paying a huge fine. So if that's what Square is doing, then they're basically just Wells Fargo 2.0, it sounds like. Yeah, it's a very speculative at this point, but they pretty much have a very low friction payment app. So for their case, it's less of them going out and doing that stuff and more of the fact that they built a app where you can transact money with no rule. So, you know, like if you're selling drugs or something, you can just make a cash app account and it could be your fourth or fifth account. I think that there was some of the research they did is they like went in and made accounts with like the name Donald Trump, for example. So, you know, things that you would expect should definitely fail at a payment processing company, right? Because you would be pretty sure that you're not Donald Trump. And it'd be like, oh, yeah, like, here's your card. Like, here's the name Donald Trump. So that is like some of the activities going on here. I'm also trying to stop sharing my screen. And if you see me fidgeting, it's because my mouse pad continues to stop working. So I'm actually... I could, I could do it for you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I don't have a mouse right now. So hopefully it hopefully it comes back. Anyways, there were a few other stocks we were going to talk about here, Daniel. Do you want to lead any of those conversations? We've been getting a lot of questions about these in our Discord, which I'll drop the link to. Yeah, so one of them was Manulife, but I think I kind of talked about Manulife in last week's stream, went over it a little bit so the the one i am going to share today is called true north now this is a office reit which is not hot in the market right now at all and it's also a very small cap company so please do not go buy this stock because you're hearing me talk about it that would be a mistake the thing i'm saying right now so it's not a good idea all right so what happened to this company 
I've been tracking this stock for a very, very long time. I've actually owned it multiple times in the past and sold it when uh, I thought it was getting a little bit expensive. But the reason I owned this stock in the past is because they basically take 100% of their free cash flow and they would pay it out as a dividend to shareholders. So this stock, if we go over to its dividends, and everyone, I'm sorry, I'm on very choppy Wi-Fi right now. I got, I got you. You're, you're coming in good. Okay, but basically this company, like if you take a look through time, you know, it's had a 9% dividend yield that goes up to 11%, comes back down to 9 On the low end, it gets to about 7.6. So basically, I started buying this stock. Again, I've owned it. I bought and sold it a few times whenever I've had like some cash that I just like want a dividend on um, because the dividend on it was 8 to 9% basically is what I was getting. And the dividends are paid out monthly. So it's just like a monthly dividend stock. But so anyways, I've had it on my watch list for a long time. I didn't own any when this news came out that absolutely tanked the stock. Luckily, what what made you sell it if I'm following this correctly? Because you said you did own shares, right? Yeah, I've bought and sold it a few times, but I would sell it when I thought the stock was getting a little bit high. And the most recent time that I sold this stock was because I was not confident in office real estate with companies downsizing um, their office space with work from home taking off more because the, the demand for office space essentially just lowered. And then um, their payout ratio got above 100%. I believe it got to like 110%. So they were paying out, they essentially were not generating enough free cash flow or FFO to actually pay out their dividend, which was a red flag for me. So what happened here is they actually cut their dividend in half by 50%. And the stock, when they cut their dividend, they ended up cutting it. It dropped by, what is this? Let me take a look at a one month chart. It was trading for 580 and it's now down about 39% at the low here. It was down 44%. But the thing is, is like this company cut the dividend. So they had, they had, they had a payout ratio of about 110%. They cut the dividend by 50%, but the company is still generating all of this cash flow. Like the cash flow didn't go anywhere. So take a look at this. If we go to the financials and we go to their income statement, their revenue in the trailing 12 months is actually still slightly growing. Like it's it's not at quite an all-time high, but it's up there. It looks flat, it looks flat to me at the end there, but te- technically yeah. correct. Yeah. Yeah. And if we go to their operating cash flow in the trailing 12 months, their operating cash flow is actually an all-time high right now. That one looks uh, good. Yeah. And their free cash flow is as well. But um, yeah, so basically the revenue, cash flows and everything look fine. The company just cut the dividend because they said they want to focus on taking that cash and cleaning up the balance sheet a little bit and looking for different growth opportunities because basically, again, they were paying out 100% of the cash flow as a dividend. So they were like, okay, let's let's reduce that, take that cash, clean up the balance sheet, and then look for some growth opportunities. So in my opinion, I don't think that this warranted a 40% stock drop. Can you hit the, can you hit the dividend tab quick? Yep. So yeah, talking about this stock drop, let me know if you agree with this. It looks like the market or the street, if we want to be generalistic here, is pricing this based off the dividend yield. It seems like the dividend got cut and then the stock dropped to match what the dividend yield was before. Almost exactly. Yep. So if you take a look now, the dividend was cut in half. (laughs) You can can even see it, right? Like that dip, like the dividend tank. People were like, oh, nope, bring it back. Exactly. So that's what I mean is the stock, well, the dividend got cut in half, but the stock basically got cut in half as well. So the dividend now on the lower dividend is still 8.39%. So, I mean, it's still a very high dividend yielding stock now at this lower price. But the thing is, again, is the cash flow is all still there. It's just not being all paid out anymore. So I think the market is uh, kind of 
kind of being a little bit too bearish on the stock. Also, if we go to their balance sheet here, we go to their book value, tangible book value. It's at 522 million. And the market cap of this stock today now is 296 million. So it is trading for a price to book of 0.57. So it's selling well below book value. I believe it's got a price to free cash flow or price to FFO now um, because they adjust their FFO. I actually have a screenshot here that I'll bring up. I'm just going to fill in very quick because you cut out the pri uh, price of FFO. looked like it was around 2.6. Yeah, so they, they use their AFFO here. So in the year 2022, they generated 56 million of AFFO. And on a $296 million market cap, that's a price to ever achieve. Now, also in the same screenshot, you can see here, they said Q4 2022 adjusted funds from operations was less than distributions by 1.2 million. And this is why they started cutting the dividend is because it was just unsustainable and they needed to clean some things up. I'd say that's a good thing though. And I, I have this comment highlighted in the chat. Jonathan here says, I love it when a public company cuts their dividend for the good of their business. And like, I couldn't agree more. I think you do too, Daniel. You should cut the dividend when you can't afford it. And I think we've actually seen companies not take this action and actually like take out debt and just find ways to continue paying a dividend that they can't afford. So for the long-term health of this business seems like a nice financial decision and obviously not financial advice, but agreed here. I mean, it seems like a very sell-off for a company that doesn't seem to be going out of business. No, they just switched yeah. up their uh, their distributions a little bit because their payout ratio got slightly too high. So they were like, okay, well, in the meantime, we're going to cut the dividend. And uh, the market just reacted very poorly, like very, very poorly. So here again, this is from their financial statement. It says, announced a reduction to the monthly dividend. Additional retained cash flow will now approximately be $25 million per year. So they now have an additional $25 million per year to clean up the balance sheet or invest in growth or whatever they want to do with. But that's a lot of free cash flow now. And then the last screenshot that I had here was the insider buying going on. So remember, this is a small market cap company. And this guy right here, Daniel Drimmer, he is the CEO and the founder. He owns about 20% of the company, I believe. And um, since the stock has dropped, there's been a lot of insider buying. The CEO and founder has been buying millions of dollars worth. I believe I tallied this all up and it's about $7 million worth of insider buying in the past week since the stock has dropped. That's a lot of insider buying for a small cap stock. So I don't know, man. I mean, looks pretty cheap. And uh, those are the reasons why. That's are you going to need to scooping up some shares this week or what? I have scooped a little bit so far. Oh, all right. Well, that, that answers uh, Jacob's question here. So if you guys are just joining, Daniel has owned this stock on and off. And one thing I want to applaud you for, for those that weren't here, is you owned and sold this stock before the drop-off and your reasoning was more of the macro picture with the industrial real estate market, as well as the fact that you said that their payout ratio was getting pretty high. Not that you predicted them cutting the dividend and all that, but you know, in hindsight, you've made some pretty smart decisions here. So shout out to you. And it seems like you are a shareholder again. So Welcome back. Me living in the US, I have not really looked into this since there's some extra taxes on the dividend, but yeah, thanks for walking us through that. Were there were there any other stocks that you wanted to look at? I did do some light Blue state on uh, public storage REITs this morning, um, stemming from our conversations last week. Uh, Jake, just to correct you a little bit, this is an office REIT, not an industrial. Thank you. Oh yeah, we went through that last week, the yes. office versus um, was it like the warehouse space and stuff. Anyway, I think you cut out quick. Was there another stock you were going to walk us through, Daniel? If not, I have some stuff queued up for self-storage REITs. Nope, go, go for it. 
Sweet. Uh, and we are about a half hour in. Uh, normally we go for about an hour. I think that we're probably going to go for another 10-ish minutes here. So for everyone hanging out in the chat, if there's any stocks that you would like us to look at, start sending those messages in. Daniel will check them out. I'm going to take just a couple minutes to talk about uh, self-storage REITs. So for those of you who are following the stream and Stock Unlock, you all know that we send a monthly letter out to our Stock Unlock subscribers written by Daniel. This usually has stock ideas in it not financial advice. And one of them that we have looked at recently is NSA, which is a self-storage REIT. What's interesting about NSA is it's one of the... Sorry, am I sharing my screen? One interesting thing about NSA is it is one of the smaller self-storage REITs, uh, which uh, we'll bring up here in a sec. And they operate under a PRO model. So when you think about a business model of a public storage REIT, these are obviously business entities that own Self-storage units, self-storage units are used by people when they're moving or just to store their extra stuff. They are very low cost to build, which is a good thing. However, the bad part of that is it's a lower barrier to entry and people have been flocking to these, which I find interesting for recession, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me, I'll be honest, Daniel. But what I'm going to do here is bring up a few self-storage REITs. NSA specifically is a PRO, which means that they actually buy self-storage brands, let them keep their brand name, have an optionality to buy this business, but they pretty much don't have like an NSA brand that they operate under. That separates them apart a little bit from some of the other more popular self-storage REITs. Uh, you will likely come across PSA uh, while you're looking into this. And I wanted to show people just some of these growth rates here. So NSA has been growing its revenue, 37% uh, CAGR. Just blows the other companies out of the water, honestly. And they also trade at a discount, just judging based on on a price to operating cash flow basis. So I do own just a couple shares in this that I did start dollar cost averaging into for a long term hold. I wanted to do a little bit more research before buying more. And the more I look into this, I like that NSA out of the bunch here is smaller cap. It trades at a slight discount. I think that there's potential more stock growth in the future for this one since. They are constantly buying brands and growing the number of storage units they're operating and things like that. I'm a little bit timid on the economic environment just because it's a little unclear to me how these will perform during a recession. I have no flicking thoughts there, but you know they do pay around a 5% dividend. And as the stock goes down, the dividend will obviously go up. Not sure if you want to add anything here, Daniel, but just I'm finding these types of REITs very interesting. They're very easy to understand. Yeah, they're definitely easy to understand. Um, I think in the last stream, I just said, if I were you, I would go and look at, uh, what happened to self-storage occupancy rates in 2008 in the last recession. All right. Well, I got some, uh, homework uh, to do. because based on what I've read on Twitter from someone who owns a bunch of self-storage rates, he said, the reason people are bearish right now is because occupancy rates are dropping. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to look into it. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. That's, that would be like what I would want to know how, how have they held up in previous recessions? How should they hold up in the next one? What happened? Yeah, and NSA has not been around for that long, so I'm going to have to look elsewhere. Anyways, Daniel, I think that we're going to take one or two stops from the chat here, or feel free whenever we need to pull the plug. I know you've had a long, sweaty day in Asia, so we've been going for about 32 minutes. How are you feeling? Good check up time. I'm feeling all right. How are you feeling? Feeling better than you. I just woke up. <laughs> like, yeah, now it's been... Send some of that over here. <laughs> no, dude. If you got caffeine in you, that's going to keep you up. Not to give you some of 
Uh, it's funny, Shelby and I were talking before the stream, and we were both like, it's going to be so good to be able to do streams in the morning again and not at like 10 p.m. <laughs> after a full day of activities. Yeah, and our poor uh, West Coast friends in the United States get pretty uh, side-armed by us with this time. We've been nicely told that it is almost impossible to wake up when you're on the West Coast, and we are sorry about that. Uh, Daniel, you will be returning, I think, uh, in a couple weeks, so... Back to regular schedule soon. You have actually been in Asia for like two, two and a half months now for people following along. So looking forward to having you back and also, you know, enjoy the rest of the trip to the fullest. But yeah, but what are we going to look at here? I see a few suggestions. And one that we've been getting asked about a lot is MPW. So this stock, this stock is now at, what is that? $7. Holy smokes. What, what company is it? Medical Properties Trust, MPW. It was once a $23, $24 stock. It is now down something like 70%. Looks like it pays a 15% dividend. Um, is this a REIT? It is a REIT. Okay. What is going on? I know it has 179 stars on Stock Unlock, which is actually a higher number than I normally see. That tells me that there's actually a good handful of people also paying attention to this. Yes. What the they, they've been saying, Daniel? I mean, I, I haven't heard of this one too much. I heard this company is potentially in a lawsuit right now. Uh all right. Things, things might not be looking the hottest, but I mean, their operating cash flow, operating cash flow is starting to come down a bit. It's in about a 10% dip. The revenue is dipping as well. Um, they're buying back shares slightly in the trillion fold months. Interesting. That Everything. dividend yield is extremely high. I wonder if the dividend is potentially at risk or if people think that some of the properties that they own just are going to flip. I, I'd imagine it's hospitals and or like urgent care doctors offices and things like that. I'm, I'm guessing because I haven't. Look, yeah. I mean, I don't know. The revenue is coming down slightly. Their operating cash flow is coming down slightly. What are? Let's take a look at what insiders are doing. Insider transactions. And for those in the chat, let us know what you think of this business, or if you've heard anything. We always love crowdsourcing the investments analysis. Okay, so a lot of people are selling. So, so selling a lot. CEO selling a lot. And um, yeah, this is recent too. This is like the past couple of months. So basically, whenever I see a stock like this, where it's down, and it's down a lot, I don't like to see insiders selling when the stock is down like this. I want to see the opposite. Like, if your stock is down 70%, why are you selling it? If it's if you think it's undervalued, and if you're selling a lot of it, then it's like, like why? Why are you selling so much? 15% dividend, I don't know if that's going to be sustained. I, I, would, I, I don't know. I mean, the cash flow is dropping right now. That's not a good sign for the dividend. That's kind of like a TNT situation, in my opinion. But this is a good, this is a good like contrast example because, for example, TNT, the stock is down fifty percent, right? What did you see insiders do? You saw them buying, not, not sell. No, they were they were, they were they were buying. They're buying millions of shares, as much shares as it looks like they possibly can every single day. MPW, like I just want out of my shares. Uh, you, uh, you you did cut out very briefly there, so just a little quick update for those of you joining us we talked about dream industrial reef before they cut their dividend and the stock is down however just to fill in daniel because you were cutting out they cut their dividend but the insiders are buying and the business seems like it has a healthy future however you were contrasting it with what we just looked at which is not the case insider selling as the stock is down i think this is a really good time to use the quote don't try to catch falling night i don't know yeah all from, but that's what this also heard, to me. I also heard that uh, there's a YouTuber called Sven Carlin. Let me see if my internet will load. Sven is a very serious value investor. 
um, more so than I think I am, honestly. This guy, I respect him highly. He's, he's a serious investor. And uh, he put out a video on MPW. If you're interested in MPW, honestly, I would go and check out his video on it. I haven't watched it. This one right here reads 2023. What is going on with MPW stock? I haven't watched it, but he likes to deep dive companies. And I imagine that he is covering why the stock is down 60% and will give you a really good detailed analysis. Like he's just really, he's really good. So I would go and check that out. All right. Good to know. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for watching after that one. <laughs> okay. Um, got some MPW. Someone said they bought Bank of America. Um, I think we've given our thoughts on banks recently. Our most recent newsletter went over banks as well. So I'm not seeing too many comments here. 3M. Jake, do you know what 3M is? Uh, no, but we're about to find out. All right, let's take a look at 3M. And then I, I think this might be the last one I'm going to do, and then uh, I'm going to head to bed. Hell yeah, dude. We gotta, you got to get that beauty sleep. That's right. Okay, 3M. I've got so it on my screen, too. This is actually a huge company. They make, like, a bunch of... Uh, if you've ever worked in construction, you know, like, 3M... This is just an example. You know, like, the 3M ear protection? Sure. Okay, no, it doesn't sound like it. Anyways, sounds like this company is in a lawsuit. Um, they've been around forever, I believe. Yeah, they've been around forever. Looks like the stock is down like 56% from its all-time highs, 6% dividend now. Yeah, apparently they're in a lawsuit, so that would definitely be something to look into, but let's just take a look at their financials quick. Yeah, and while you bring that up, I'm seeing they have 92,000 full-time employees, and the brief description to add color to what you're saying is this company operates through four segments, safety and industrial, transportation and electrics, healthcare, and consumer. So that's something. Yeah, so it also looks like their business is a little bit cyclical. Like in 2008 here, you can see their revenue dropped quite a bit from $26 billion down to 22 so it dropped by about 15%. Looks like it's starting to drop again right now. I don't know if that's related to the lawsuit or not or what, but let's take a look at cash flow over time. So they're still profitable, six, $5.6 billion in cash flow operating activities, buying back shares, paying a dividend. Operating cash flow is coming down a bit. Though. It looks like they've been dealing with a lot of debt too. So I'm seeing in 2020, in March, they reported $19.25 in debt. They have paid that down to $14 billion now, but you know, $14 billion of debt is... A decent amount for them their total cash position is looks like it's just shy of four billion seems like that might be playing into this story as well yeah yeah their their free cash flow is pretty down it was peaking at seven billion now it's at 3.8 billion it's almost been cut in half and the dividend now actually makes up most of the cash flow so Good. most of their cash flow right now goes to the dividend um yeah, their shareholders equity too seems to be made up of a lot of intangible assets. So here in Stockholm, I'm seeing 14.7 billion of shareholder equity. But if you look at the tangible book value, it's actually negative. And this doesn't have to be a terrible thing, but I would probably want to take a really deep look, which we don't have time for now at this company's balance sheet as well. If their assets are kind of intangibles and like a lot of goodwill, you know, you're going to have to want to make sure that they actually have a you know, enough assets to cover their liabilities as the stock's downtrending and cash flows are going down with the debt load. Yeah. I mean, they spent more money on dividends and buying back shares than they generated in the past year in free cash flow. So they're either taking on debt or burning through their cash to do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is an interesting one. I'm going back to bird's eye view right now. It's got over a 10% earnings yield, 6.9% for cash flow yield. This is good. Uh, so the stock, just how it's priced based on its cash flows, for industry standards doesn't seem too wild to me 
Uh, the dividend yield of 5.9% is nice. That seems to be at least well covered enough now by the cash flows, but if they keep dropping, that could come into question. So yeah, I would want to learn more about like this business's customers and like what they're going to do in the future. Like, are they going to keep on growing? But you know, it looks a little choppy right now from this financial analysis. I'm not super excited to be honest. How are you feeling about this one, Daniel? Like, yeah, I would want to know what the management's going to do to get that free cash flow back up because it's dropped a lot and it's at the point now where it's hardly covering the dividend, which means the dividend, if the cash flow continues getting, you know, downtrending, then this dividend could potentially be cut. And basically I would not be buying this stock just for the dividend right now. And I would want to know how they plan on getting free cash flow back up and why it's down in the first place so much. But yeah, that's kind of what I think. It also looks like kind of a cyclical stock. I kind of slightly disagree. Like if the free cash flow is going to remain where it is or not go higher, then I think this is not a very attractive price. So yeah, I don't know. I have some questions here. I don't think that it's like super attractive to me personally. Cool. Yeah, we both seem generally underwhelmed. And then also get comments like this. Too funny. What investor hasn't heard of MMM? Um, me? I mean, there's thousands of stocks on the market. Do not know all of them. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, thank you everyone for <laughs> joining today. We love going live. We try to go live every week. Daniel and I are two of the three co-founders of Stock Unlock, which is a website we built investment education and analysis tools that we just find everyone else is ignoring and make it accessible for everyone. Daniel, any last words uh, for the live chat? Um, you know, just looking forward to next week. I think next week will be my last live stream um, in Asia, and then we'll be back. Yeah, actually, I owe, I owe Ali an email response, actually. Um, we might uh, try to look at that podcast thing again, but we'll see what happens. Yes. Thanks, everyone, for joining. This is the conclusion of Stock Talk, episode 25. Uh, this will be uh, posted as a recording, and we hope to see you all next week. I'm going to hit that end broadcast button. All right. Goodbye, everyone.